Are you ready for the best show in the Pacific Northwest? Here's my dad to his boyfriend and friend. All right, you guys, welcome to episode 179 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, I'm Don. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios. Don't forget our website is ronanddonsitdown.com. We are licensed brokers with Windermere. If you need the new ebook, we have it for you. We'll just send it to you. So just reach out to us. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com or you can write us directly, ron at windermere.com. And we'll get you one of those ebooks. And don't forget, it's never too early, never too early to start your real estate journey. Hey, coming up, we talked a lot about the presidency, which we'll talk about in a minute, but also some states made some uh, big choices, which were kind of shocking to me, like down in Mississippi. They're going to get rid of their battle flag, their state battle flag, since 1894. I think they've had that battle flag. So we'll talk about that. And then also in Oregon, a lot of people up in arms saying, hey, you got a little bit of heroin, you got a little bit of crystal meth. You got a little bit of cocaine? Not a big deal. We're not going to prosecute. We're going to try to get you some help and decriminalize this. We'll talk to that before we talk to that. Let's get to this. Looks like Joe Biden's going to be president. Yeah, most news outlet, most news outlets at this hour are, are saying Joe Biden is going to be the, preempt, uh, the presumptive winner of this election. Of course, there are court cases pending in multiple jurisdictions, uh, and it might go all the way up to the Supreme Court. We'll see how that all shakes out, uh, the legal wrangling. But um, I, I guess... Um, this is a, such a contentious thing. And, and as we talked about in the last episode, I don't want to be one that just sit here and spikes the football, not because of Donald Trump. Like, uh, I have my own thoughts about Donald Trump. I think his personal character and all of those things that everybody has jumped up and down about. Um, uh, so I don't need to spend any more of my brain power on that. I really do, though, think about the Americans right now that are feeling marginalized, that are feeling like they've lost something, and that are very angry. And so that's the more important thing to me. People have been very passionate about this. Uh, and like you said, you, you're from the Midwest. We live in the Midwest. I think about the people like my grandfather in Ohio that worked at a tire factory, and then the tire factory went away. And so if that was your world and that was your reality and that was your skill set and you felt like that was your birthright and you could insert tire factory for coal mine or furniture factory or lifesaver factory or you made door handles uh, for GM or whatever that thing was in the Rust Belt in the middle part of the country uh, or you were a builder, you were a laborer, you worked with your hands and maybe you worked in a union and maybe uh, you were just conservative religious family you had this set of family values the the dissolution with that is real in coming to terms with globalization coming to terms with uh, racial prejudices that you didn't even know that you had or existed coming to terms with movements uh, like I was talking to someone from the Midwest the other day it's like I got corrected at work from a woman that wants to be called they what does that even mean? How do I even, like, what are we talking about? And so, to, 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 like, the dissonance of that is real. 
And like, it, 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 it does cause stress. And so I'd like, to me, I want to take this moment of a new presidency and to say, how can we sort of bring everybody as much as possible into the fold? And, and to me, one of the biggest things is to like take a page out of Canada's book and say, disinformation campaigns need to be illegal. Like when you blatantly are pro- promoting things that are demonstrably false, that needs to be illegal. It's not okay to take hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and promote ideas that are just blatantly false. And we have that now, whether it's through Russian trolls or whether it's just through propaganda, like propaganda is not okay. And so when you take a factoid like Pizzagate, let's say, or like QAnon, and you start promoting that when nothing in it is true, you can prove that it's not true. You can go to the pizzeria in Washington, D.C., and there is not a basement that is holding a pedophile sex ring. That is true. You can go and see that with your own two eyes and you don't have to take an AR-15 in there to prove that that's true. We as a country, I think, need to get to the point where we say you cannot just promote that and buy ads for it on the Internet because you think that it's true doesn't make it true. I think that would be a really good first step in all this. So let let me ask you, this is going to be interesting because most presidents say and George W. Bush really stood by this. So did Jimmy Carter for a long time. Uh, President Obama until recently. Hey, when I exit the presidency, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to go write my memoir. Uh, I'm going to try to sell some books. I'm going to go on the speaking circuit. I'm going to make tens of millions. And for some, if you're the Clintons, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, All the money that I couldn't make in my professional life, being a government worker, I now can go and continue to get paid for the presidency because you continue to get paid if secret service detail and then on top of that you really have the ability to go out and hit fortune 500 companies and make a lot of money that's what the obamas did until recently when president obama showed up in florida hit the stage because they knew they were learn- they were losing the hispanic vote and he wanted to see if they could win the hispanic vote and also uh, get many Americans, including black and brown Americans, out to vote. So they brought him out. He did that, right? So with President Trump, he has tens of millions, what is it, 75 million Twitter followers. You know that he is not going to walk away from this, and he'll continue to be a burr in the side of President Biden and his whole administration. And then on top of that, you didn't win the Senate. So what Joe Biden's going to have to do is he'll do, have to do a lot of things by executive order. So everything that Barack Obama did by executive order, and a lot of that affects big businesses and affects taxes. Uh, you had President Trump come in and undo all those through executive order. And now what will happen is Joe Biden will say, okay, how, how can I frame and change the, change the country on the basis of executive orders? Because I had a really hard time pushing any kind of legislation through, even though we have our hand tipped in the House, we're going to lose the Senate here, uh, and we, we have something we've never had before. We have a former president that is going to be loud. He's going to have a lot to say, uh, and he's going to go crazy on Twitter. And he's also going to stand in a lot of Fortune 500 company uh, uh, venues. He's going to share his thoughts, his insights. Uh, you're going to see him, I believe, probably start some kind of Trump network 
which will be in the veins of Fox, but even probably more to the right than that. And he may have a bigger stage as the ex-president than he did as the president of the United States. Vanity Fair reporting today, though. Hey, he has to be careful here because he has to be concerned, no longer being the president. What could happen to him uh, when it comes to spending real jail time? And you can read about that in Vanity Fair. What are your thoughts? Uh, What do Biden and Harris face here? As President Donald Trump will not go quietly. He's not going to go quietly till the day he dies. He won't. But the latter part of what you said is more intriguing to me. And um, I think of it as being on the radar or off the radar. In, in, in our radio career, uh, just to make this about me for a minute and about you, there were times with certain companies where we were not on the radar screen, meaning that the CEO of that company, like when we worked, let's say, for CBS Radio, CEO of CBS Radio maybe had heard of us, but we weren't on his radar screen. He wasn't spending any time thinking about the Ron and Don show. Then we were in other companies where we were on the radar screen. And so now you get called to an office and you're like, hey, Don, did you say this about that? Hey, Ron, I heard you, you know, you left 15 minutes early at this remote because of X, Y, or Z. And so you're on the radar screen. You're under the microscope. Everything you do gets looked at. Donald Trump was on a very small radar screen when he was in New York and he was being a real estate guy. And there were, you know, he had a lot of lawsuits and things, but it was comparatively relatively small and manageable. Now, as president, he angered a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of attorneys general, a lot of people in, uh, in the, that are lawyers for a living that really started to dig in. So you had the media complex that angered him for his lack of truthfulness. And so they started to dig in and uncover things. And then they handed those off to people in high places that had uh, law degrees. They started to see if it was compliant to the law. I think it's going to be a never ending stream of legal processes. And now that Bill Barr is not going to be able to give him some sort of plausible deniability or immunity because he's president, You know, there is just a lot of I hope that his time is occupied with those. There is also, if you believe the New York Times reporting of a couple weeks ago, $400 million of personally guaranteed loans that are coming due as soon as he uh, is done with the presidency, that he doesn't have the, the income to generate to cover those. And uh, there's also the cases of properties that he claimed were tax write-offs that are not. And so he's looking at, if you believe, again, the New York Times reporting, which seemed very thorough to me, about $500 million in liabilities that he has no way to pay for. So I would hope that he has most of his time dealing with that stuff. But as you said, at two in the morning, there's going to be tweet storms coming out. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of people that are believing those tweets. Yeah, and he, he has a lot of power. And I mean, Biden and Harris have to recognize that uh, when there's a riot that's happening in America and he's not the president. What's he going to say? Is he going to call on the Lost Boys? Um, Will he do some things? Proud Boys. Lost Boys is a movie from the eighties. No, I call them the Lost Boys. Are they Lost Boys? Okay, that's my that's that's what I call them on social media. <laughs> they, they have nothing to be proud about. They're right. the they're the Lost Boys. That's fair. Anyway, hey, uh, don't go anywhere. We come back. Uh, it wasn't just the presidency that we're all voting on. Um, did some interesting things in Oregon and also around the country. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on some referendums on uh, state laws that were just passed. He's Ron, I'm Don. Don't forget, we're at ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com.
Hey, you guys, listen up. This is why we love Les Schwab and we appreciate so much that they sponsor the Ron and Don show because they are so involved in the community. In fact, right now, Les Schwab Tire Centers, uh, Aramark, and Food Lifeline, they're all working together. It's a big team, you guys, because they want to drive out hunger this holiday season. And everybody's asking themselves this time of year, hey, there's a lot of folks out there that need my help, but how do I jump in, Ron, and how do I help? Yeah, just drop off a non-perishable food donation at any Western Washington Les Schwab Tire Center, or you can just pull into the parking lot and a Les Schwab crew member will come out and take your donation. You can also donate online at leschwab.com slash Ron and Don. That's LesSchwab.com forward slash Ron and Don. Every donation helps stock the shelves of Food Lifeline programs in your communities. Join Les Schwab Tire Centers, Aramark, and Food Lifeline for the Drive Out Hunger Food Drive. It's happening now. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. I had grown to trust the image of Ron and Don, you know, doing their their advocacy for all the charities and stuff that they do. And I thought, well, they seem like good guys. Let's go for it. When I uh, decided to put my home on the market, it was a natural for me to choose them to list the property. Ron and Don proposed a sit-down, so they came over to our house. They came super prepared, and they came more in learning mode, right, and what was important to each of us. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on, you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. They were precise and clear. They managed our expectations well. If Don saw, you know, a risk or an area of concern he wanted us to be aware of, they just they just did a superb job. And they seemed personally interested in the houses we would tour. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. They do have a way of making you feel like they're your only client. <laughs> That's super important to me. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. I think I was just so impressed with the quality of the work that they did. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. The buying process was wonderful, and the selling process felt like we were their most important project. I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right, cool. All right, you guys, episode 179 of the Ron and Don Show. Rolling on. He's Ron and I'm Don. Don't forget our website is ronanddonsitdown.com. And uh, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. 1894, uh, Mississippi created a flag. Incorporated in their flag was the Confederate battle flag. This was put to a vote in Mississippi. Uh, other places, they have just moved to take the battle flag off or to take it down. We see statues going down. I was really surprised that 68% of the people that lived in Mississippi voted to have the battle flag taken off their state flag. 
Well, you, it changed the entire flag. Yeah, you lived in Mississippi. I did. What 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 was your what was your reaction being a Mississippian? Uh well, I only lived there shortly until Hurricane Katrina, but I was in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. I, I'm proud of the people of Mississippi uh, of the reckoning that has happened there, and as you said, the stars and bars, which was only one of the flags of the Confederacy. It wasn't the Confederate flag; it was a Confederate flag, was embedded in the upper corner of their flag. The new flag's lovely. Uh, it's got a magnolia on it. It's got it says uh, "In God We Trust." It's got twenty stars because they were the twentieth state in the union um it's got gold and blue it's it's a lovely flag and so a, a graphic designer uh submitted it it was one of the ones that was chosen and then the people in the state of mississippi said yeah we would like to change the narrative of our state and uh, i applaud them for doing so um i've really been rethinking as we've gone through the flags and the monuments and everything else street names street the, forts, the, forts the state of washington mm-hmm. like do we are we now coming to a place where we want to stop naming things after people? Because as we've learned, and we've talked about this for, for as long as we've been on the radio, everybody's imperfect. Everybody has made mistakes. There's a dark side to just about every human being, I think, except for uh, your little sister, God rest her soul. I don't think she had a dark side at all. Uh, But for almost everybody, uh, there is going to be a dark side that you can look at and point to and and cancel, so to speak. Uh, And so maybe we shouldn't name states after people. Maybe we shouldn't erect statues uh, for people that, that were imperfect, regardless of which side of, of the equation that you're on. And, and I've also thought a lot about history because you're a huge history buff and I'm, I'm less than you, but interested in it. Um, and you think about how we learned history. And, you know, the paragraph that was like, and the slave trade started in this year. But you never, we never had a chapter on what it was like to be growing up in Africa, and then all of a sudden a million people are gone. Well, we heard we heard the masters treated the slaves really well. Right. So you hear this history that was invented uh, after the fact, and so maybe maybe we are moving in a way with this flag being changed of saying we want to move away from that. Hey, when George Washington died, he let go of all his slaves. Yeah, but he was on his deathbed, and he didn't let go of all his slaves because most of his slaves belonged to Martha, and they hung on to those because that's the only way the Valley Forge would function is with free labor. So this is what was interesting to me about this. Uh, I was surprised the vote went this way. Just knowing the people that I know in Louisiana and Mississippi, I didn't think the vote would go this way. I thought the vote would fail. So I was really proud of the people of Mississippi that 68% of them would step forward. And those aren't all black and brown people. Those are white people saying, you know what? I listen to you. There is something that's bothering you that doesn't bother me. Because no one's ever tread on me. But you feel like they tread on you. And so I'm going to step in to this voting booth and I'm going to make a vote, not just for me, but for you. When I stepped in the voting booth this year, and again, I voted for Republican and Democrats. I stepped in and voted for Biden. As a 53-year-old white male in America, if I was just voting for me, that would be the wrong choice. President Donald Trump, because I like to build things, When it comes to deregulation and building things, that's my president right there. When it comes to the stock market soaring, which means our 401ks are soaring and other things we've invested in the market, 
That's my president right there, right? Law and order. I'm kind of a law and order person. I love that Sheriff uh, Troyer is, is bringing law and order down to Pierce County. So congratulations to him at one in a landslide. And I kind of grew up in an evangelical black and white world. Like I have to really sit there and really think about the perspective of other people because it's not muscle memory for me. It is not muscle memory. And the people in Mississippi did that. They listened, especially women that lived in suburban areas. They went out in droves and they said, hey, we're going to get rid of that flag because even though it doesn't bother me or my family or my kids, it bothers you. And that's the thing that I would really appreciate it about that vote. And that's the thing that I'm hanging on to as I look at this particular election. That was white people going, hey, black people, some of us got you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be good to see that happen. And I think that it will continue, I hope. Uh, and good for the state of Mississippi. And I think the other thing that made it easier is it is a cool flag. Like you can look at that flag and go, I get it. It's a flower. Um, it's inclusive. It's got the same color scheme, kind of like it's red, white, gold, and blue. And so you, you look at that and you can go, all right, I can get behind that as a, as a person from Mississippi that that does represent me no. and it does represent you. All right, let's come back. We're going to talk about something that passed in Oregon. Do you think it should pass here in Washington state? Or maybe you're in a state right now, listening to the Ron and Don show. Cause we are worldwide right now, live from the Les Schwab studios, only on the Ron and Don radio network. Ron and Don from radio to real estate. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back. Episode 179 of the Ron and Don Show, live from the Let Schwab Studios. Uh, don't forget our website, ronanddonsitdown.com, and we'll send you a free ebook if you're buying and selling. If you know someone that's thinking about buying or selling and you think we could be of help or service, would you please share that ebook? Again, you can get it just by going to ronandonsitdown.com. You can reach out uh, to Ron too, just ron at windermere.com. Uh, and we're here to help uh, you guys. Oregon, taking some heat, made a decision. If you have small amounts of meth, if you have small amounts of cocaine, if you have small amounts of heroin, we're going to decriminalize that. We're going to try to get you help. Uh, we're not going to throw you in a jail cell somewhere. Uh, people around the country reacting to that and saying, hey, the war on drugs, why are we waving the white flag in Oregon? And typically we see this happen. Like as we saw marijuana decriminalized. Uh, and we take it for granted here in the state of Washington that marijuana is decriminalized. In a lot of places, marijuana has not been decriminalized. Uh, and federal laws could still get you in a lot of trouble. Even here in the state of Washington, the federal government wanted to come in and they wanted to crack down uh, on these marijuana dispensaries, let's say. That's probably not going to happen with a uh, Biden-Harris ticket. But as you look at this, uh, what do you see happening in Oregon? And are we on a slippery slope of all going to hell? Um, of course, we're all going to hell. Um, I applaud the, the state of Oregon for this reason. What? How is the war on drugs gone? If you look at why, how it came to be, 
and the fruit of that tree, how has it worked? And I think by any measure, you would say it's been a, it's been a horrific failure. And so the, the war on drugs, it has created a, a generations of incarcerated people. It's disproportionately affected uh, people of color. Um, it has not taken away the demand for drugs. And it has, in a sense, been the fuel that has created the drug cartels in Mexico that have been nothing but ravaged uh, Mexico and Central America. And so if you look at the war on drugs, the way it was structured, the amount of money that it, it was uh, taken to sustain, the, uh, the privatization of the prison system, we go on and on. The war on drugs has failed. And so if we want to pretend like that's still a good idea, I don't want to pretend like that's still a good idea. Is the way that Oregon did it the right idea? I don't know. But it's a different idea. And so I'm not the type of person that wants to go, hey, that was a failure. Let's do that again. That didn't work. Let me throw more money at that. Um, I like in my own life and our business with, uh, you know, the real estate business that we've done. We're, we're going to do a meeting here coming up very shortly where we look at what we did this year. What worked? What didn't work? What money? Where should we spend money? Where shouldn't we spend money? So if we have a, a, a bucket that we dumped a bunch of money in and it produced zero results, then I don't want to do that anymore. I want to take that money and put it somewhere else. And so for the United States of America... Uh, And again, I've referenced this before in the past. Go read a book called Chasing the Scream that goes back to to figure out how did the war on drug come to be? What were the underlying principles of the war on drugs? And what are the fruits of the war on drugs? And if you read that book, as I have done, and you don't come away with going, wow, this didn't work, then you're just not paying attention. And so they are taking a, a different stance. It's one that the, the country of Portugal did. They said, we're done with this. We're going to take, instead of spending billions of dollars on enforcement, we're going to spend billions of dollars on treatment. Instead of looking at this as a criminal offense, we're going to look at it as a public health issue. And so we're going to flip this on its head and see what kind of results we get. Because turning everyone into criminals turning everyone into uh, this puritanical ideal has not worked. And so what I believe is that there is a drive for people to soothe their pain. If you were in psychic pain, you try to soothe that, whether that's with alcohol, whether that's with sex, whether that's with sugar, whether that's uh, uh, burying your head in the sand and denial. If you are in pain, you try to soothe it. And so for people, nobody sets out to be a drug addict. You're trying to soothe your pain. That is not a criminal offense. That is a public health offense. The state of Oregon did not outlaw, they didn't change any laws. If you are manufacturing drugs, if you are bringing in kilos of cocaine, all of the criminality still exists. They're just saying for the end user that's trying to soothe their pain, we're not going to treat you like a criminal. We're going to treat you the same way if someone walked into an emergency room with a bone sticking out of their leg, you're going to treat that pain and not criminalize the pain. Yeah, and what it does, it gives, it gives local judges in the state then uh, the opportunity to, they could really throw the book at someone or they could really say, you know what, we're going to try to help someone here. And it gives them the ability to do that. And the war on drugs didn't give local judges that opportunity. That's why you've seen uh, drug courts, uh, and we have some here in Seattle. And the drug courts seem to be working. And the people that I talk to are typically judges, attorneys, 
and the police officers that are a part of these drug courts. And instead of sending someone away to do time, uh, you create structure in their life. And for a lot of young people, they've never had structure. They didn't go to school. They didn't pull grades. They dropped out early. Uh, Mom and dad didn't care where they were. Uh, And that's what young people really crave. So when I look at this particular law, I'm hoping that this helps young people, and it really helps black and brown children and all children. Uh, At the end of the day, sometimes black and brown children may be targeted by this because in the neighborhoods that we police. And so we really have to to ask ourselves, how can we help these kids before it's too late? Because you do get at a point, I think, when it comes to, I hate to say it, but I think statistically, there is a point of no return for older people when it comes to being hooked on heroin, being hooked on meth, being hooked on coke, whatever that is. I think there has to be a balance here, though, too. If, if, if our parks are going to be taken over by people shooting up, like when I went to the Ballard Commons the other day to look at that park, and I've shared that story about taking my son to go skateboarding, and you can't because there's people living down in the bowl, and they live throughout the park, and there's 70 to 100 tents there right now. Uh, and there's no police there. There's no navigation teams. Usually a, a cop would be parked there. They're not. And I saw two guys just, they're, they're out in the park. Their arm is tied up and they're injecting heroin. I don't want to see that in a city park. I'm a taxpayer too. I want to be able to take my son there and go skateboarding. I want to take my son there and build memories. And I also want to make sure that that person that's sticking a needle in their arm, if they're seeking help, that they get that help. But some of them aren't. Some of them are not seeking help. Some of them want to live in our parks. Some people do aren't from here. And they came here because they think this is free addle. And we are light when it comes to crime and it comes to drug offenses like this. Really what Oregon's doing is really what law enforcement around here has been doing for a long time. In a lot of these areas, they're just kind of looking the other way. So you, can, you cannot arrest your way out of this epidemic. And it's because we're talking so much about COVID-19, we have lost uh, the conversation and lost the fight when it comes to the opioid crisis, which is worse now than it was when the COVID-19 uh, really took off in March. Yeah, and the solution to this, which is antithetical to the way I personally was raised and want to believe, the, anti- the, the solution to this is when someone's hooked on street drugs is to give them a pure, more reliable source of drugs and then help them get weaned off of it. That's what has worked around the world with these programs. It's distasteful. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's people like to get high sorry like i don't know what to do about that that's the human condition you go to any society any part of civilization people figure out a way to get high and so we have such pharmaceutical grade uh, compounds now that it's easy to get addicted to those and the solution is more similar to what oregon's doing than it is to be draconian and to lock everybody up like yeah. that that has not solved our problems yeah. can't lock them up and then and then you can't go out and really focus your law enforcement on being out in the community and doing community policing, which we were kind of doing here in Seattle. Now I know I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. Seems the city council doesn't know what we're doing either. All I know is we could see some riots coming up here in the next couple of days. I hope not, as uh, the election weighs heavily on people's minds. We've had a lot of rain here in Seattle, but people are still coming out. And... Um, yeah, it, it's, 
I talked to a, a friend of mine the other day that's leaving the police department. And I said, when are you leaving? And they're like, well, yesterday. And I said, why is that? And it's like, I don't want to go stand on the front lines of these riots anymore. I just don't want to. I want to go home. I want to be with my family. And they're just going to go work for another department as a result of that. So we see that happening uh, here in Seattle, too. So anyway, he's Ron. I'm Don. Final thoughts on the election here as uh, we head into the weekend. I am so glad it's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then we can sort of move on, set our, our sail in a new direction. And um, so, yeah, it's, this has taken up so much mental space in my brain that I am uh, happy to be turning the page and starting a new chapter. Yeah. Getting that fresh notebook and you open it up for the first time and you got a clean white page, that's what that's what I feel like right now. Episode 179, you guys, thanks for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. And also, don't forget, uh, we do the show for free, but if it wasn't for great sponsors like Les Schwab, uh, we couldn't do that. So stop by Les Schwab Tire Center, 85 locations to serve you. And the fall tire sale is going on right now. And we'll have a lot to say about Thanksgiving and the toy drive coming up as we head into the holidays. You keep your head up, keep your shoulders back, and we'll see you for episode 180. How about that? Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.